Welcome to the Oceans Church Podcast. We pray that as you join us for this message, you are blessed, encouraged and empowered to bring the kingdom of heaven into your spheres of life. Hi guys. Um, My name is Rachel and this um, is my first time speaking in front of a big group, so that's very fun, but... I just wanted to introduce myself. I have been a part of Oceans since it was Everlife, like back in 2020. Um, And I'm trained as a teacher, specifically early childhood, as you can see by my dress, I'm sure. Um, But yeah, this is actually the first time I've spoken in front of a group of people over the age of six uh, since I was in primary school, which is a bit scary. So, and... I'll let you know the story of that. When I was in year seven, I tried out to become a prefect and I did a speech and out of 12 people, I was one of the two that was not picked. So I'm hoping tonight I don't also end up crying in the bathroom like I did back then, but maybe someone come check on me just in case. Um, But currently I am a stay-at-home mum to my beautiful daughter Adeline. She's almost eight months old and I love her very much. And I'm also a wife to the amazing one and only Harry Blythe, who's usually behind the coffee machine outside, but tonight you'll actually hear him preach after me, which is very exciting. Um, I just wanted to recap our Revolution series. Um, The idea behind it is kind of, instead of following the trend of New Year's resolutions, where people focus on what they do to change themselves, and let's be honest, it ends up fizzling out after a couple of weeks and doesn't amount to much at all. We are trying something different. We are focusing on who God says we are, how that changes our lives permanently, not by our effort, but by our identity in him. So, and as my brother told me to add in the thing, we are human beings, not human doings. So shout out to Matt Cattrall for that one. Now, today I'd like us to specifically consider what it means to be a child of God. To do that, I'd like to take you back to an old movie that you may know well. It delves into profound themes of identity, explores insecurities of belonging, transformations of self-discovery, unravels complex um, complexities of relationship, and creates a thought-provoking cinematic masterpiece. Of course, I'm talking about the 1995 blockbuster Toy Story. In the beginning, Buzz Lightyear believes with the utmost certainty that he is a real space ranger on a real mission to an alien planet called Earth. Now, if you haven't seen the movie, this is your spoiler alert. Cover your ears for 20 seconds or so. Buzz was not, in fact, a real space ranger. Shocking, I know. As he begins to realise that he is actually a toy, he has a bit of an existential crisis which is honestly pretty understandable. He realized that everything he knew about his identity previously was a lie. Now, looking back on my own life, I feel like I've had moments of that as well, believing a lie regarding my own identity. Getting a little bit deep all of a sudden, but when I was 14, my dad passed away from cancer. I felt alone, I felt abandoned, I felt like God didn't care about me. I felt like I didn't pray enough, didn't have enough faith. I didn't believe enough for God to give him a miracle and heal him. In my mind, it was my own fault we didn't get that miracle because everyone around me seemed to have such strong faith. It must have been my doubt that was the deciding factor. 
I felt like I wasn't a good enough Christian for my dad, um, that, that my dad, my family, and the people I cared about suffered because of it. Since I felt like I wasn't a good enough Christian for God, I just decided not to try anymore and just pretty much gave up on the whole idea. For years, I went through the motions, dwelling in my guilt and my anger as an excuse to keep me from a relationship with God. But he never gave up on me, and here I am. And he saw me for who I am, my identity in him as his child. Reading from 1 John 3 verse 1, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Tonight, I want to help you discover that no matter who you may think you are, you are a child of God and you have certainty in that. And so for those who are taking notes, my title is Being, Belonging and Becoming. And my first key point is you belong to your father. So for me, I needed to discover who I belong to. It is what we are, not what we try to be, but what we are through Christ. Jesus came to restore this true identity in us. Christ was known as a carpenter, a teacher, a healer, even a saviour. But before any of those things, before he performed his first miracle, before he's preached his first sermon, his identity was that of being loved by his father, who declared over him, this is my son whom I love. That's what he lived his life out of. He knew who he was and showed his identity through how he lived. Nothing in the world could change that. He was popular, he was rejected, and nothing could change that. Some people loved him, some people hated him, and nothing could change who he was. He was understood and followed by some, he was um, misunderstood and abandoned by others, but it didn't change who he was. He lived his life and his purpose knowing that he was loved by and belonged to God the Father, and he came to restore that in us. Our identity is not rooted in our own will, in our own strengths and weaknesses, in our own actions. For me personally, I came to that realization, I came to the realization knowing my identity was not based in anything I could do, no amount of believing, no amount of praying, no amount of serving defined who I was. Instead, I was preceded by who I am as a child of God, and he loves me as he loves Christ. I think the moment that changed that for me was realizing that everything in my life, the only true constant was God. My actions may have created the situations I found myself in, but these did not define my identity. Through the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, my innermost being was protected by God, what God knew me to be, which is his child. For our friend Buzz Lightyear, his identity crisis was solved when he found comfort and security in relationship with his owner, Andy, which was symbolized by the child's name on the bottom of his foot. We can take comfort in knowing that we belong to God, having love imprinted within our own souls. You get it? Like soul, soul? Yeah, anyway. Anyway, moving on to my next point. <laughs> you become like your father. Once we know that our identity is found in our relationship with God as our Father, the question is, what does that look like? To answer, I want to dive a little further into my own background. So my family moved to Australia from Zimbabwe. 
um, which means I grew up with a mother who pretty much collected and kept everything that entered our possession with the idea of, it may be needed one day, we may use it. To be fair, a lot of my top scoring art projects, some, my extravagant, extravagant party costumes and last minute birthday presents all emerged from her collection, saving me a lot of time, money and effort. But, um, yeah, over the years, sorry. Um, and recently, I found myself to have joined a Facebook group. It's called Community Gifting in my local suburb. And what you do is someone posts a picture of something, and if you want it, you have to comment under and say, hey, I'd love to have this. Could I be considered to be gifted it? Alongside this, I also often go to local op shops, as many of you know, as I've dragged you along. So um, I'm always coming home with bits and bobs that I proudly present to my husband, Harry. Comparatively, Harry is the sort of person who will throw away anything and everything in the form saying, oh, I'm decluttering. So I can you can imagine how he feels about my collection habits. The other day, I was showing him proudly a new score and he jokingly said, or compared me to my mum, which, as the eldest daughter of any family knows, is a one-way ticket to an argument. But he definitely wasn't wrong. Each of us can recognise, I'm sure, mannerisms and behaviours in ourselves that we've picked up from our parents and the people around us, whether by choice or not. As my relationship grew with God, my father, I noticed my own characteristics starting to reflect his. In my insecurity, I used to find myself judgmental and jealous of the people around me, comparing and competing, trying to be the most interesting person in the room. As I found my identity in God, I found contentedness in who I am, shown in how I relate to others. I became kinder, more caring, more loving, and truly innately glad for others in their success and joy. I think this is what it means to be a child of God. As your relationship grows with him, so will your likeness to him. If you take one thing of my, away from my message today, I just encourage you to spend time with God. The more you get to know him as your father, the closer you become to him, you will be more like him. Coming to church, going to dinner parties, spending time in his word, in worship, in prayer, all will inherently grow you in his likeness. Now I want to move on to our, my third and final point. You can be bold within your father. As a teacher, I like, tend to explore the context behind anything I come across in the Bible that interests or more often confuses me. So I looked into the word Abba, Father, because I saw it in conjunction with the idea of Father a lot. So formally in context, it does mean Father, but it's closer aligned to a more intimate way a child calls out to their dad. It speaks of nearness and imminence of God. That's how God wants us to think of him. In fact, Jesus actually taught us to pray like this. He taught his disciples to say, Our Father in heaven. Now, for them, them, this was revolutionary. For thousands and thousands of years, Jews never prayed to God individually, our Father. In 29 books of the Old Testament, over thousands of years, they only addressed God as Father 14 times, each as a nation, as a collective, never individually. So when Jesus prayed and taught the disciples to pray by addressing God, our Father in heaven, it was mind-blowing. Out of 21 of Jesus' recorded prayers in the Bible, 20 addresses God as Father. 
In fact, the only time it didn't was when Jesus was hanging on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And on the cross, he wasn't a son, he was a sacrifice. But otherwise, he was addressing God as his father. And because we are in relationship with God as Christ was, as his, fa- as his child, we too can pr- approach him like a father. How does this look practically, you may ask? We can approach him personally with boldness. One way is through prayer. When you pray, pray like a child. You don't need long, elaborate prayers. When Addie, my daughter, is older and she comes to ask me for something, she doesn't have to say, oh my gracious, glorious, dearest of mothers, my humble request, if you lend me your ears, I'd be eternally grateful and I will be good and I will serve you. If it's in your will, can I please have an ice cream? It's ridiculous, just tell me what you want. But we often pray like that, don't we? But if you heard a child speak to their parent like that, you'd probably take them aside later and ask if they felt safe at home. So I think one of the best prayers in the Bible is simply, Lord, save me. Just that cry of a child to his father. Sometimes we pray as if we need to back it up with our qualifications to get his attention. Act as if he doesn't see, doesn't know, doesn't care, doesn't hear. He is your heavenly father. Pray with that assurance and confidence. In the book, Knowing God, J.I. Packer wrote, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. This message is not about what you will do for God. It is what God has already done for you. I'm personally still on this journey. Um, The more I'm lavish with God's love, I find that based on who I am, not what I do, the more I'm empowered to do what I'm called to do because I'm fueled not by seeking my identity and my actions, but out of an overflow of knowing who I am in God. I want to encourage you that you can wake up each morning knowing that you are absolutely loved and accepted. You don't have to seek approval from anything of the world because your sense of belonging and identity is not in what the world says, but what God says. You have certainty you belong to your heavenly father. He loves you as he does Christ, as his child. I feel like that's just so cool. Like Jesus was everything to him and that's what we are to him as well. That's the power of the gospel. You're loved and accepted and you're God's child. You're created to be his. Everything this world offers is temporary. However, our identity in our heavenly father is eternal. For me, I lost my worldly father and I'm sure everyone in this room can relate to that pain in their own way. Things may not go as we plan, we may not understand, but I think that's what faith is. The complete trust that God as a father is in control in a way that may not make sense to us in the moment. I found that as a parent, everything, I do everything in my power to protect my daughter from danger, even though most of the time she doesn't even realize that danger exists. At the moment, she's just learned how to like kind of crawl. And so I'll sit her on the couch next to me and she'll just go straight for the edge. Um, But of course, I prevent her from doing that and she often tells me off after saying, why would you like stop me from having fun? Um, But she doesn't comprehend what would happen if I let her fall because I would never let her fall. 
I think it's the same with God. He knows the outcome. And from that knowledge, He does what's best for us, even if it means He has to deal with our tantrums after. Hey guys, can I get everyone to stand together and I'm just gonna pray for us. Um, Maybe here today, you're here and you've been placing your identity in the wrong places. You've maybe drifted from God or you've maybe tried to do things your own way or you've maybe based your belonging in the world. But tonight, you may want to make a decision to change that and receive the truth that you are a child of God. To say, God, I make the choice to anchor my identity in you. I belong to you. You are my father. This is who I am. Right now, I just want you to receive that truth. I want to break the lie in Jesus' name that you belong anywhere else. I want to break the lies that you are alone in this world. I want to break the lies that you are rejected. I want to break the lies that you are unlovable. And I want to release truth over you, that you belong to the Father who loves you, that you are a child of God, that you belong to Him. Right now, I specifically want to release a new boldness over this place, a boldness to approach God, Abba Father, in freedom, free from hurt, free from fear that the world has given you, free from guilt and shame. I want to just release boldness to step into His love in Jesus' name, I pray. Come on, guys. Thank, let's thank God together. Give him a big clap and welcome Harry Blythe to speak. Hello, everyone. Hi. How are we doing? It's good. Um, you can take your seats. Amazing. All right, let me just make sure my notes are all good. Um, cool. How good was that? Not bad for a first time. Um, it just goes to show that even though we can often think that you have to be a pastor or a preacher or, you know, do four years at Bible college to come up here and share the gospel. You know, it's everyday people like us that are sharing the gospel, and and that's what we're all called to do. And it doesn't always look like this, but sometimes it it can. So maybe you'll be next. Anyway, I am Harry, uh, as my wife so lovingly introduced me. Uh, I have been here at Ocean's Church, formerly Everlife, for about, well, since the start, really, since 2019, uh, which is awesome. It's been such a fun journey, um, journeying with so many awesome people up until now. Um, Currently, I'm serving on team as the head of the coffee cart. Um, So if you had any delicious coffees, uh, that's all thanks to me. And my amazing team. Uh, Jen and Abe were out there smashing it before, so make sure to give them lots of thanks because I know how important it is to be caffeinated. Cool. So I'm keen. Keen to be here with everyone. Cool. So, hey, if you have known me for more than a few minutes, uh, 
you probably know that I'm not particularly good at implementing change into my life. Ash is nodding her head. She's known me for quite some time. And yeah, so normally if I'll get your ear, I'll probably yap about some sort of new thing that I've implemented into my life, whether that's some sort of new hobby or a new exercise regime or something. Uh, and I get, I get really excited and, and pumped up about uh, new things because that's just the way my brain works. I'm bouncing around to all these new, new things. And um, every year I normally will sit down at the end of the year and I'll write out a list of goals that I want to achieve in the new year um, or as some people call it, a list of resolutions. Um, and so uh, this year I did the same thing. I sat down, I got my pen and paper out, and I wrote down a list of uh, things that I wanted to achieve, and one of them was that I didn't want to eat fast food this year. And I specifically said fast food being like the KFCs, McDonald's, Hungry Jacks, etc., because last year I found myself indulging a little bit too often in fast food. So I thought, you know what, this is, this is going to be the year, good food, healthy food, I like cooking, so that's, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, that didn't go well. <laughs> that did not go well. Uh, I think it was about, what, a week ago? A week and a half ago, we were visiting my mother-in-law, Rachel's mum, and it was about eight o'clock at night, and we were driving home, and we hadn't had dinner, and we were really hungry, and I am like a sucker for food. And who knows how difficult it is to drive past fast food on the way home when you're starving hungry. There's just something about those. There's always like five of them lined up. There's a KFC, there's a Hungry Jack's, there's a McDonald's. And all of a sudden, things started to go a little foggy. And uh, all of a sudden, I was reaching out and grabbing a nice brown paper bag with the grease stains in there and shoving a delicious burger in my mouth. And Rach just looked at me and just shook her head. And so, yeah, that's me when it comes to goals and resolutions. And um, yeah, as Rach said, we're in this series at the moment called uh, Revolution. And the idea is to turn our resolutions into personal revolutions, which is exactly what I need, because as I said, I've never been good at sticking to those New Year's resolutions. Um, but, however, there is one major change in my life that has stuck, and I can't give myself credit for that change because all that credit goes to Jesus who changed my life in a way that I could never have done myself because for the longest time I saw myself as someone that couldn't change because I went through, you know, I was that guy. I was the guy that was just like, you know, I'd get super excited about everything but you'd kind of just sit there and you'd nod and you'd be like, okay, Harry, sure thing. But God saw me differently. And we find the truth of this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 to 17. It says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Tonight, I want to help you discover that at the very heart of the Christian faith is change. 
But I'm not talking about simply some sort of New Year's resolution or a minor change. Instead, I'm actually talking about an entirely new life. Tonight, I want you to know that you are a new creation. So if you are taking notes tonight, the title of my message is From Cremation to New Creation. When I was in high school, I was the Christian kid. I grew up in church. My parents were Christians. My siblings were Christians. I had lots of Christian friends. I went to a Christian school. Everything was Christian. It was a part of my identity, except the problem was that that wasn't an identity formed by Jesus. It was formed by me. This is because on the outside, I was a Christian, but on the inside, I wasn't. Early on in my high school journey, I was exposed to pornography and quickly became addicted. It was something that haunted me for my entire high school experience. I'd go to youth group on a Friday in church on a Sunday, and then come Monday, I'd be watching porn. I was prideful, I was arrogant, and I was deeply flawed, and I covered that all up and I hid it. Because of this, I carried an immense amount of shame and guilt for many, many years. You know, eventually I left high school and things didn't get any better. My parents' marriage fell apart, I stopped going to church, and my addiction continued and things spiraled out of control. And man, I was just like, I was so angry because I was living this double life. I was calling myself a Christian. To everyone that I knew, I was the Christian guy. I was the guy that would preach Jesus. I was the guy that would go to church. I was the guy that would put my hands up in worship. But inside, I was a total, I felt like a total failure. A failure to be a good friend, a good brother, a good boyfriend, a good son, everything. My whole identity was based on a lie that was slowly crumbling around me. Uh, this led me to trying so hard to fix things myself. I got really into self-help for a little while. I uh, read self-help books. I was watching podcasts. I was watching YouTube videos. I tried implementing habits. I just kept trying and trying and trying. And every time, I'd find myself right back where I started. I'd make a change on December 31st, and then come January 1st, I'd have, you know, screwed it up. I just wasn't able to do it myself. And then one day, my friend Ash invited me to a new church she'd been going to called Everlife. And I thought, oh, why not? Why not? What have I got to lose? I rocked up, and I was greeted by some friendly faces, some of which are still here tonight. Flick, that's you. I sat in the chairs and Chafin, our lead pastor, was sharing the gospel and uh, my heart was moved in a way that I'd never experienced before. That night I decided to follow Jesus. I gave my life to him and he fixed something that had long been broken. I remember praying with Chafin at the end. Just committing, I mean, admitting my sins and just receiving the grace and forgiveness that comes through that with Jesus. And I just remember it was the first time I'd ever met Chafin and here I was weeping in his arms. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have, uh, there's probably a lot of you actually that have had that same experience with Chafin. But man, like what a relief. It was, it was truly, if I, I can say that the guilt and the shame that I carried for so many years that was like, is, is like a, a physical weight 
on your shoulders, you know, something that makes you kind of walk around with your, your shoulders hunched forward and eyes down. But in that moment, I felt freedom. And I was free and forgiven of all the sins that I'd committed, and I started to walk in that freedom. That night, my whole life took a new trajectory. I found that the things that once held me back no longer had the control over my life. That was, I had a newfound strength to fight my addiction. I ended a relationship that had been pulling me away from Christ, and I committed to going to church, all of which I'd been trying to do for many, many years in my own strength and had never, ever found the strength to do it. I'd simply tried way too long in my own strength to do this. The, the only thing I could say was that it was the power of God at work. So, in saying that, my first point is this. Becoming a new creation is Christ-driven, not self-driven. Paul says in the scriptures, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When we give our lives to Jesus, we become entirely new creations. It's not just committing to some sort of regime or writing down a list of goals and saying, yeah, that's, I'm going to be different this time. No, the scriptures say we're actually brand new. Humans are fundamentally flawed. Our inclination is to sin. But through the sacrifice of Jesus and his resurrection, he gives us an entirely new life. With the creation of our new self, our old self passes away, and along with it goes our natural pride, our love of sin, our reliance on works, old habits, and passions. And instead, it's replaced with a new heart, a refreshing of a soul. And he gives us new desires, feelings, and purposes. And none of, us, none of that comes from our own willpower. I don't know how many of you have tried to love someone that you don't love or forgive someone that you deeply hate. It's not in our natural inclination as humans to do that sort of thing. It's only through the power of Jesus that we can do that. You know, as an example, before I gave my life to Jesus, I used to really hate going to church, which is why it took so long for Ash to actually get me to come along. I enjoyed going to youth group as a teenager, but I feel like that doesn't really count because half the time it's just loud games and music. And... But you could not force me to go to church on a Sunday. I was more than happy to go on a Friday. But if you managed to get me along, I would rock up and just mentally clock out basically as soon as I walked through the door. I didn't want to hang out with Christians because I felt judged and I was annoyed at just how they seemed to have everything together. I don't know if you guys are the same, but when I am sad, I do this thing where, and it's, it's really dumb, but you put sad music on to make yourself feel more sad because you're like, ah, I'm sad. I need to just wallow in this self-pity and this sadness. So you put on sad music and you just sit there and you rock back and forth and cry. And cry. I don't know, is that just me? Or just... But yeah, that was my feelings towards church and Christians. But let me tell you, the proof is in the pudding because after that night that I gave my life to, to Jesus... In 2019, I then 
come 2020, had committed to going to church, so much so that I joined the internship here at church. I did the academy. I, did, I committed an entire year to going to Bible college. And that's coming from me who had gone essentially maybe, I reckon, four years basically without going to church. That is something that I could not have done in my own strength. I didn't even have the desire to do that, let alone the willpower to do that. You know, in 1 John 3, verse 14 to 16, it says, If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. And that's the beautiful thing about it. All we have to do is lay down our lives and believe in Jesus, and he does the transforming work in us. And this leads me to my second point. Becoming a new creation is free, but it will require your cremation. See, that's the thing about becoming a new creation. It's not just about the turning of a page or committing to a new habit, but to become a new creation, you need to be cremated. And to be cremated means to be burnt away. It requires death. It requires the death of the old you the burning away of your old desires, your old ways of living, and your pride. Can I tell you why it took me so long to believe in Jesus? It's because I was stubborn. I was comfortable. I didn't have the power, and I didn't want to face my hurt. It's so easy to get caught up in our little bubble of comfort. I kept living in my sin because being in that bubble was nice. It was cozy. It was warm. And leaving that bubble meant that I actually had to admit to myself that I wasn't good enough. And that sucked because I had way too much pride. Because really, I wasn't that bad, was I? I mean, like, come on, I didn't, like, kill anyone or anything. That's, like, super bad. But accepting Jesus meant admitting that I needed help, laying down my pride, a kind of death to my own pride and a death to the way of life that I wanted to live. The thing that I held on to most was actually the thing that was holding me back from the very power of God. Once I set that aside, it opened the, God, it opened the doors for God to come and make me new. It might be uncomfortable and you'll have to face some things that you don't want to, but God will create in you a new heart. The redeeming work of Christ on the cross has freed you from being a slave to sin. Will you slip up every now and then? Probably. We all do. No one's perfect. In my journey, I have slipped up. But the difference between me then and now is that I want to get better. I don't have those same desires that I used to have. When I slip up, I come running back to God because I know that He has forgiven me. I didn't used to do that. The point is that Every day we become more and more like Christ. Our identity is based in Christ and the knowledge that we are a new creation. When you understand that your old self has died and your new self lives, that's where freedom is. Now I'm able to look back and see that because of that decision that night to humble myself before Jesus and lay down my old life, I've gained so much more than I ever did have. 
I have a joy that isn't based on the ups and downs of life. I'm free from addiction. I have a church family full of people that love and support and encourage me. I have a beautiful wife and an incredible daughter. And God is using me in ways that I never pictured. And all of that stems from one decision that I made that fateful evening at Everlife Church. You know, I'd love it if we could all just stand together as I lead us in prayer. You know, for me, there was a number of things that I had to lay down and sacrifice before God before He could do His work in me. What are some of the things that are holding you back from experiencing the new life that Jesus offers? What are some of the things that need to be cremated and burnt away so that you can be made new? You know, for me, it was pride. It was living a life of comfort. I was comfortable in my sin. I was happy with my addiction. I didn't want to face that. Right now, why don't you just begin to ask God to bring to your mind some of those things that you're dealing with that you need to lay down before Him. You know, it might be an addiction like me. It might be depression. It might be an anxiety that you have held on to tightly because that's a part of you. It's, it's not. You know, when you come to Jesus, He makes you into a new creation, something that's so much better. Can I tell you, that anything that you choose to sacrifice to Jesus, you're not going to miss. You're not going to regret it. I don't regret stepping out of that bubble of comfort and giving my life to God because what I've received is so much better than anything that I had previously. Lord, would you just come now? and work on our hearts. God, would you just begin to burn away all of the things that are holding us back from experiencing the freedom and the creation that is in you. Lord, I declare that anxiety, that depression, that addiction is being burnt away tonight. God, I just pray that you would work on our hearts. Would you knock on that door? God is knocking on the door of our hearts, waiting to be let in. So would tonight be the night that you open that door and let him in? Lay down that old life. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. The proof is around you in the believers that are in this building tonight. God, would you give us new desires? Would you refresh our souls? Would you make us hate the things that you hate? Would you make us love the things that you love? Give us a new life, something that we can be proud of, something that we can walk with our head held high. Would this be year that we break free of the chains holding us back and finally step into the life that God has for us? So church, right now, we're going to go back into some worship and just begin to lay those things down. Just begin to cry out to God. 
and burn away all those things. Ask Him to burn away all those things. God is the one that holds it all together, Lord. Just begin to sing out those words. You hold it all together, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Oceans Church podcast. For more information, visit oceans.church.